The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey, this is Alexis Haynes, and welcome to Recovering from Reality, where I illuminate the messy and magical path of coming home to yourself. Whether you're on the road to recovery, seeking self-care techniques for surviving the capitalist machine, or just need a moment to remember that you're not alone in your loneliness, we're serving up the ultimate truth. Your challenges don't define you. How you deal with them does. So, are you ready to recover from reality? Our needs are constantly going to change, and we're so affected by things like, obviously, nutrition. Stress is the biggest one. Sleep. And I was sleep. Yeah, for me, the root of all of it is stress, and I don't mean like oh, I'm stressed about my class or I'm stressed about work. It's old trauma. Same. (laughs) It's that fight or flight feeling that kicks in out of nowhere and stays with me for a week and hijacks my system and all my digestion and my hormones and everything go haywire. That's at the root of it for me. So supplements are great. Good nutrition, great, all of that. But that for me is the core. That's what I have to really pay so much attention to before I can start adding things like D3 Synergy (laughs) and like, uh, you know, Vitex Berry. That was a quick clip from this week's episode with my friend Ariel Lore. You guys might remember the early, early days of recovering from reality. She was one of my first guests and I didn't know her before she walked into my house that day to record. So it's interesting because I had put out literally two episodes and I get this DM from this girl that I've never heard of. And she's like, hey, I want to come on the podcast and talk about recovery. And I'm like, awesome, let's make it happen. And then from there evolved this really beautiful friendship. And so here we are a year and a half after that first meeting. And we're coming back together to do this Q&A episode for y'all. And we're covering some great topics like what's it like to be married to older men, taking care of our mental health, a couple of recovery questions. And then we're also just talking about overall healing and wellness. And I know you guys are going to get so much from this episode. Let's see, what are some quick updates on what is happening in my life and in the community. So as you guys know, I launched the Life Reset course and it is absolutely amazing. I decided that I wanted to break the payments up into monthly installments, 12 months um, at $39. And then recently I beefed up the course a whole bunch. So there is only six more weeks that that is going to be available. So if you want to do the course, I would enroll now. It is $39 a month for 12 months. There is a live um, Zoom call with my mom and I every week. The course is just absolutely amazing. You can head over to my website and under the tab courses, you can read the testimonials. You can also follow along with us on Instagram at Life Reset Course. And that's a great inspirational place that has tips, tricks, affirmations, all of that good stuff over there with some testimonials as well. If you wanted to hear about people's experience and, you know, this is really an opportunity right now in my DMs, I'm getting so many 
people who are reaching out to me who are saying, I can't live like this anymore. And I'm so stressed out and I don't understand how I got here. And this feels so mundane and so not like what my life is supposed to be like. How do I get out of this? And that's what Life Reset is all about. It's about looking at our belief systems, looking at our subconscious belief systems, dissecting them, figuring out what is true for us, really taking a deep dive into who we truly are and exploring that. And then clearing out all of the stuff that no longer serves you and then actively starting to build a life that feels good for you. So if you want to know how I did it, it's all in this course. You can join now for $39. And yeah, you guys can support the show by picking up a copy of my book. Please leave a review if you wouldn't mind on iTunes if you haven't already. Merch is up and I'm really excited about it. I absolutely love it. I have to say my favorite sweatshirt is probably the And So It Is sweatshirt, but I also love the white hoodie with the orange Recovering From Reality heart logo. You guys will have to go to my site to figure it out. And we've got phone cases, of course, the crying Nancy Joe. This is Alexis Nyers calling cell phone cases and stickers and all of that great stuff. So yeah, thank you guys so much for supporting the show. It really is just an act of love and something that I do because I love you guys. And I feel like we all need this content in our lives. So your support just means so much to me, whether that's commenting on the Instagram, leaving a review, buying merch, supporting our amazing sponsors. It all means so much. So with that, I love you guys. I hope you enjoy this week's episode and I will see you next week. One of the most powerful ways to improve your overall health and happiness is to get a good night's sleep. But if your daily routine has changed, it can be harder to fall and stay asleep. That's why I'm so excited to partner with Calm, the app designed to help you ease stress and get the best night's sleep of your life. And when you relieve anxiety and improve your sleep, you feel better in every part of your life. Calm has a whole library of programs designed for healthy sleep, like soundscapes, guided meditations, and over a hundred sleep stories narrated by soothing voices like Stephen Fry. Kelly Rowland, and Laura Dern. Over 85 million people around the world use Calm to take care of their minds and get better sleep. And if you go to calm.com forward slash reality, you get a limited time offer of 40% off a Calm premium subscription, which includes hundreds of hours of programming. Get the Calm app and experience a transformation in the way that you sleep. For listeners of our show, Calm is offering a special limited time promotion of 40% off a Calm premium subscription at calm.com forward slash reality. That's 40% off unlimited access to Calm's entire library and new content is added every week. Get started today at calm.com forward slash reality. That's calm, C-A-L-M.com forward slash reality. Hey guys, it's me, Chriselle Lim, co-founder and CMO of Bumo. As a busy working parent myself, I felt like there was a lack of options for parents and I personally needed more support. So that's what we're doing here on Being Bumo. 
We're here to make your life easier, a little less stressful, and help you navigate through this complex thing called parenting. So subscribe now to Being Bumo at applepodcast.com slash beingbumo or wherever you listen to podcasts. Oh, gotta go. See you guys soon. You so kindly came on my podcast when... Did you reach out to me or did I reach out to you? I think I slid into your DMs <laughs> about something. It was very early on. Like you had just started yes, your podcast. I think you were like my fourth or fifth episode. Yeah. So I was obsessed with your podcast from day one. <laughs> Not, and Which I think is crazy because there was two episodes out. <laughs> but it, it was just so good. And so I think I DM'd you and mm. I was like, I love what you're doing. Something like that. And yeah. then we did a swap Last and I had April. no idea what I was doing. Oh God, I had no idea what I was <laughs> no doing. Idea. Do you listen to your early episodes? Oh, it's so cringe. Ugh. Even some recent episodes, I'm like, oh, shut the fuck up, Alexis. Yeah. It's hard though when you're a natural talker to shut up. It's hard. See, I'm the opposite though. I'm a natural listener. I know. <laughs> You're a very good listener I'm very, too. I'm more like, I'm curious. So I really just want to kind of listen to other people mm-hmm. and then just guide the convo a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Which I think that's perfect for a podcaster. It depends. Okay. It's like, I started this with the intention of just being by myself and just talking about my life and my experiences and whatever. And then I was like, no, fuck that. We're making a community here and we're going to have guests and this is going to be awesome. So it, you know what? It ended up working out and I'm so glad you slid into my DMs because here we are today. And it's funny because we went to lunch the other day and I said to you, there are very few people that I would drive to LA for to have lunch. (laughs) You're one of them. If people don't live in LA... (laughs) LA is vast and, and I don't everyone knows it. the traffic is horrendous. Yeah. I live in Ventura County. But people who don't live here don't <laughs> know that. They that. just think like, oh, OC is LA and Ventura County is LA. <laughs> and like, no. No, driving from Malibu to the Palisades takes almost an hour. Yes. Yeah. On a good day. It can it can go anywhere from... 30 minutes to two and a half hours. You just never know what you're going to (laughs) get. You never know what you're going to get. And so when you schedule your meetings and stuff, you always have to leave so early. How many times are you, did you show up to a meeting or lunch and you're so early and you're just like, what am I going to do now for the next 30 minutes? All the time. And the hard thing when we were living out in Malibu full time, People think it would be like a dream and yes, it's amazing. And there, there are so many good things about it, but this is before coronavirus happened. And so traffic was horrendous all the time. And my day would be laid out where like I would have a meeting in say West Hollywood at 10 o'clock in the morning. And then I wouldn't have anything again until like two in the afternoon. So I couldn't come all the way back to Malibu, Mm -hmm. but so I spent a lot of time at Air One. Story of my life. <laughs> Story Sitting of my in life. places, getting places really early. Yeah. Was- I would schedule my recordings and sometimes I'd have a big gap in between. And I'd be like, what the fuck am I going to do? Yeah. It's terrible. My car became like my mobile Home. everything. Yeah. Home, office, yeah. all of that. So I'm just so grateful that we've developed this friendship. And I think that 
we have so many parallels and it's interesting because so today we're going to do a Q&A and a lot of them were about our marriages, about sobriety, about these things that we have in common. So I'm just going to start with the first question. I didn't pick these in any particular order. I'm going to start with this one, though. How comfortable slash close should you feel with your sponsor? Ooh, well, I can't confirm or deny that I'm in a recovery program. (laughs) Um, She really sticks to those principles. I really adhere to the traditions because I don't want to be a spokesperson for a program Mm -hmm. because if I go out and fuck my life up, people can say, oh, well, that doesn't work. Yeah. And so that's the main issue that I have. I think that there are obviously a lot of benefits to breaking that tradition because Mm. there's still such a stigma around addiction and recovery. And I think seeing someone like you, seeing someone, you know, you want to identify, especially when you're struggling, if you can identify with somebody that gives you hope, right? And you feel like you can do it too. So I see both sides of the argument, that said. And (laughs) that's my new favorite word. Instead of saying, but I'm saying, and <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. but um, <laughs> back to the question, I think it's a personal thing. I know people who do really well with relationships where there's a lot of like oversight from that person mm-hmm. and they really rely on that person and they go to them with big decisions and all of that. And then I know people who have a really loose relationship and it's more just kind of, someone to reach out to when they're in like a situation that they don't know how to handle. You know, I think it totally depends on the person. I don't know if I'm answering that. I'm not really in program anymore. So I'm just going to keep my mouth and opinions to myself. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Can you please talk about dating and sobriety and how awkward it can be? Ooh. So when people ask me about dating, I'm like, I don't know if I'm the best person to ask (laughs) about this because dating and sobriety for me lasted about three months. <laughs> same, same. I, by the time I was ready to start dating, cause when I got sober, I was in a relationship with the guy that I had been with for three years prior to getting sober. And my first year, everyone was kind of like, just don't make a big decision. Like if you don't know whether to stay or go, like just don't rock the boat kind of thing. So we ended up breaking up when I had a year sober. And then I really needed that time to like figure out who I was. I was 28 years old felt like a baby. Like I just had no life skills. You know, I really had to like just focus on myself. And so by the time I was ready to start dating at a couple years sober, I went all in, all in like to the apps. I was on Bumble, OkCupid, Hinge, this, that, everything. I was so thirsty. I was like trolling Whole Foods and Erewhon for guys. You're like, look at me. Yeah. I remember being like, got, like talking to my girlfriends and being like Sunday night at Whole Foods Venice. Like the guys come in after their kickball thing. Like I had everything oh down to, and I was like a troll. Um, and I'm living for this right now because I can't picture it. Yeah. So, um, but then I met my husband like very soon after that. So my dating experience was limited, but I did go out with a few guys and I, I didn't find it really that awkward. I mean, I guess I just, when I got sober, I was like, this is it. Like, I know I'm not going back to that. So I'm going to have to figure out how to 
operate like a normal human yes. being, and which how is to, not an easy task. Yeah. And how to like walk through the anxieties and deal mm-hmm. with it and not, because that's why I started drinking. I was feeling uncomfortable and feeling awkward and feeling separate from and feeling like I need, you know, I needed something to feel comfortable in my skin. And so dating was kind of a precarious thing, but I just went into it like, well, this is it, it is uncomfortable yeah, and that's okay. And I don't have to like work. I feel like women feel like they have to work to make everybody comfortable and like to smooth over the situation and do. And I was like, no, I had help from therapy and, you know, um, so my support network. And I, I just kind of like dove in and I actually loved it. I'm landing the plane now. I have a really roundabout <laughs> way of answering questions, but I loved it. I mean, it was a totally different experience, but like you're way more present. So that was fun for reasons that people can figure out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and yeah, so, I, you know, it's, it, I think the best, the thing that I would say about that is that like, it is going to be uncomfortable sometimes and that's fine. Yeah. And it's not just you. It's uncomfortable for the guy or the girl or whoever you're dating too. Today, we're spicing it up a bit. As you know, I'm a huge fan of Woo More Play, specifically their coconut love oil. That stuff is a maze. And I'm so super excited to tell you about their new product launch called Woo Vibes, a clitoral vibrator and chic travel case for better sex on the go. And let's get this straight. This isn't your run-of-the-mill back alley sex store type of vibrator. Vibes is cute with white and rose gold tones and a special travel case designed to keep your toy clean and discreet for after play. It has a heart-shaped handle and is the perfect accessory for your solo play or partner play. Don't knock it until you've tried it. Bringing Vibes into the bedroom with a significant other is a game changer. Vibes has five functions, so basically there's five different rhythms to play with until you find your perfect vibe. Made with premium silicone and designed for clitoral stimulation, so Love Oil and Vibes are now BFFs. Those are my two favorite products, by the way. And when you're done playing, just unwrap one of Woo's freshy towelettes to wipe down your vibes and store it back in the travel case. So easy and no one will know what you've been up to but Woo. When the whole package is this chic and discreet, you can take vibes anywhere. To Cabo, your best friend's wedding, in the shower, it's up to you. So... What's your vibe? Head over to Woo More Play and use code REALITY for 20% off your first order of Woo Vibes today. That's 20% off with code REALITY. Trust me, you'll keep coming back for more. I only dated a couple of people before Evan. And it was interesting because, so the first guy was like a total asshole. And I was like, why am I? Okay, so I dated one guy more so like hooking up when I was in treatment because I was like, I need a fucking distraction right now and you are it. And then I was dating this guy that was like such a douche and was not good to me at all. And then I started dating Evan, which was just a very weird way that that all kind of transpired. And it just felt right. I don't know if you felt that with Chuck. Like it just felt Right. And while there was like a little bit of nerves, it was more like jittery rather than Mm -hmm. like nerves. And I remember after that first date going like, this could be the guy Mm -hmm. that I get married to. 
And sober sex for us, I would say for me was even, it was better. It was better. I felt like I can communicate better. I felt like it wasn't sloppy. I felt like my needs were being met. I felt like he cared more about taking care of my needs because he was also sober. Mm -hmm. I mean, how many times have I slept with a guy that's just like, all in it for him and he's drunk and sloppy and you're like, I'm not even fucking enjoying this. This sucks. So all around, I would say with Evan, especially just felt good. It felt right. And if it's not feeling right, then he's probably not for you. Yeah. I remember I, I only went on like one date where, or maybe two dates where at the date I was like, Oh, this is not, not a fit at all. And, you know, I just like, that was it. I never talked to them again and no harm, no foul. And then there were a few guys that I went out with. One of them was like an Australian rugby player who was <laughs> that whole culture, very heavy into yeah. drinking. Yeah. Um, but he was so hot and <laughs> it lasted for a few weeks. I can't remember. I don't know. He was just, we were not on the same page at all. And he was still on dating apps rightly so, but he would be on it with me. And I like called him out. That was the last time we ever saw each other. But, um, but yeah, then with Chuck, it was just like, oh, this is like very familiar. I think with him, he's been sober for a long time. And so we had that in common. Like we speak the same language. Mm -hmm. Like we've talked about this, like kindred spirits, you can know nothing about the other person, but you kind of have that shared past a little bit. Yeah. But the other thing is, and I have to remind myself all the time in life, don't confuse excitement for anxiety. You know, I think that's like a big, big thing. I have to tell my body sometimes. Yeah. This isn't a threat. Yeah. 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 So like going into some of those dates, I was like, wait, I'm, this is like anticipation and excitement. It's not an anxiety attack, you know? So someone says... What do you both like and dislike about being with older men? My first thought is I dislike the stigma that being with an older man means I have daddy issues. <laughs> yeah. That's a big one. I, I would say the thing I dislike most is the stigma that I'm a gold digger. <laughs> Amen. I mean, it's yeah. like the, people think that there can't be any other reason why somebody would want to be with somebody older And the other way around, people think that I'm a trophy wife. Like there isn't any reason that he might want to be with me besides the fact that I'm like young. Yeah. And somewhat (laughs) fading. (laughs) Chuck is hot. I mean, I I just had the pleasure of of meeting Chuck, running into him. And um, I mean, Harvey... The dog stole my heart right away. (laughs) The second I saw him, I was like, you're so handsome. I can't believe... (laughs) I'm finally meeting you. And then I look up at Chuck and I'm like, oh, it's nice to meet you too. That's great though, because so many people are like, oh, hi. Like, you oh, know. I'm sure. Oh, I am sure. Everyone's like starstruck. I mean, I think just because I grew up in the industry, I'm like, yeah, you're just another guy. Yeah. Um, But I, yes, no, I think that it's so interesting. Like the idea that as younger women, we can't possibly just be attracted to these older men. And for me with Evan, it's his mind, his view and stance on the world, his 
how intelligent he is. It is how much he cares about other people. He was so done with his, with the reckless partying, sleeping with all of the people. He just was ready. And I was ready. Yeah. And it worked. Right? That's I how mean, it was with Chuck too. I mean, he was, he's been married twice before. Yeah. And do, then you know he, our, <laughs> do you know that Ariel's a fucking grandma? <laughs> Did you listen to Juicy Scoop? No, I didn't. I think I, I brought it up. I was like, yeah. So Alexis texted me and was like, you're a gilf. Like, out of the <laughs> you blue. You are a gilf. Oh my God. She's a grandma. I'd certainly like to fuck. I don't know about you guys. I haven't seen any grandmas as as you one day I had I just texted her I was like wait a second are you a gilf are you a grandma and she's like I am this was out of the blue by the way like we weren't like texting back and forth and then she just had this thought no, we, it was like just so out of nowhere it was amazing we had gone through a dry spell of texting too and I just you know was, I was in my bathroom I brushed my teeth and I just the thought came to me. I was like, I feel like we're close enough now that I can <laughs> text you this. And you know what? I was like, I am. You are. <laughs> Made my day. Oh my God. <laughs> so good. Um, but yeah, so Chuck's been married before. Yeah, yes. So he's been married twice, once before he got sober and then once when he was newly sober. And then he got everything out of his system, right? So mm-hmm. by the time I came along, he was in the same place. He was ready and he was definitely like trepidatious about it. He was like, I don't know. I don't know if I want to get married. You just for- told me something that was shocking on your podcast that he proposed. <laughs> yes. And then pulled back and was like, actually, I don't want to get married. And you were like, uh-uh. Well, he wanted to get married. He just wanted to wait and have like a long engagement, I guess. And I mm. was, I felt like well, you proposed. So like, let's start planning the wedding. And he was like, no, I'm so busy with work. I have like six shows this year and I don't go on hiatus until like blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, that I get. And so I waited. And then I brought it up again, like six months later. And then it was like a new thing. It was like, well, now I'm writing for the show. And I was like, dude, Mm -hmm. (laughs) don't ask me to marry you if you don't want to get married. Yeah. (laughs) And, and I, had to really think about what was true for me. Being in the relationship where I felt like, like we didn't want the same thing all of a sudden. In the past, when I was drinking, using whatever, I would have just drank over that feeling and and lived with it. And I don't have that luxury in sobriety. And it was eating me up inside. Mm-hmm. Resentment mm-hmm. eating me up inside. I can't even imagine. Yeah. And I was like, And I was two and a half years sober at that point, I think. And I was like, my sobriety is more important to me than waiting this out and feeling hurt and resentful. And so I knew like the right thing to do is like honor that. And I took the ring off and gave it to him. And I said, you're not ready. And I didn't want to force him into it either. It doesn't sound like an ultimatum. It's like, I'm just taking care of myself. Yeah. And, and I gave it back to him and I left and I, I think I went back to the Palisades for a few days and I was just trying to figure out what I was going to do next. And then he came around and he wasn't like, okay, let's do it. Like you got what you wanted kind of thing. But he was like, I do want to get married. I realize how this must've been for you. Like he obviously probably did some soul searching, spoke to 
whoever he needed to speak to. And and for him, it was about fear too. He didn't want to enter another marriage that was going to be unsuccessful. Third time's a charm. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I um, I think it's hard, and we've talked about this a little bit, but being married to really successful men is hard. And they're, I mean, workaholics, probably, I think they'd both admit that, right? Oh, yeah, for yeah. sure. It's hard because there will always and forever be something that gets in the way of making you a priority, which I find really fucking frustrating mm -hmm. a lot. Like, I'm so grateful you're such an incredible provider and we're so lucky. And how does this work? Like, if you're not making us a priority then how, yeah, how does this work? Mm -hmm. And for Evan, I don't think he'll stop working until the day he dies. Same with Chuck. And I hope he doesn't because I feel like when people retire, <laughs> they, they die. They, so no. <laughs> I yeah. always tell him like, do not stop working. I mean, I really think that writing for 35 years now at the level that he does, so many shows going on at once. I mean, I see what he does in a day now because he has the whole... He has like screens with feeds coming from all the different stages at mm. our house and he's jumping from one show to another to another and he has to stay sharp. And for his age, he's like you were saying about Evan, he's so smart. He's so sharp. He's so wise. And I think I would attribute a lot of that to the work what he's been does. doing for Absolutely. so many years because like use it or lose it. You know, if you're not at that level, mm -hmm. um, of course you're going to kind of slow down a little bit. Yeah. So, What's your guys' age difference? Oh, God. You don't like talking <laughs> about it? You don't have to answer. 30-something. Okay. We are almost 16. Mm -hmm. Yeah. See, that's much more acceptable, I feel like. I don't think it makes a difference, though. I don't think it makes a difference either. I just think when people hear it, it's yeah. like, even when I say it, I'm like 30-something. Holy shit. But when I'm with him, like we don't Doesn't feel, feel that. Like that. I don't look at him and see somebody older. No. And again, like the what I fell in love with with him was what I was just saying. His he's so smart. That's what I'm attracted to mm. ultimately. Like, yeah, it's great, you know, have a hot body and like whatever. Yeah. That's only lasts so long. Like people say about women too. Although <laughs> we do a lot of work to keep it up, right? Yeah. But our husbands do too. Yeah. I mean, granted, we're really lucky that while my husband's now in his later 40s, he is like keeping up with mm -hmm. the vibe. You yeah. know what I mean? He's do <laughs> he's doing the things Chuck, that are necessary. Chuck too. And as he we is. Know. Yeah. <laughs> you <laughs> yes, know. I know. But he and he yes. dresses well ex exactly. most of the time. That's the thing. It's like they they try. Yeah. 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 But but ultimately it's like his I just love being with someone who has so much life experience mm. and so much wisdom and he's so, so smart on to me. so many levels. Yeah. Yeah. When Evan is like on his thing and goes on these tangents, sometimes I get sick of it. Granted, like <laughs> my husband's very long winded when he comes home and I'm so tired. It's like 630. I've been with the kids who have been yelling all day and he's going on and on and on. It's, <laughs> it's like, honey, I can only consume so much information in a day, <laughs> but most of the time I'm like, yes, yeah. like I'm right there with you. I think what you're doing is really exciting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So those are the pluses and minuses, guys. I, I don't know if it's for everybody, but it's for me. And I will say even before meeting Evan, I was always attracted to older men, always. 
always, I don't know. And I, I don't kinda, have daddy issues. Yeah. I kind of went both ways. My longest relationship until now, although we were kind of together from like 14 to like early 20s off and on, he was younger than me. But at that mm-hmm. age, it's not a big deal. Like 19 and 20, 20 and 21. I was you were a little cooler. 20. And then... <laughs> Yeah, especially when I got sober, I was like, oh, these like 30-year-old guys are not cutting it for me. Mm. Someone asks, what is one piece of advice that you'd give yourself when you were younger that you'd probably actually listen to? That I would listen to? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't listen to anything. That's what I was <laughs> But say. okay, we'll give one piece of advice to oh our younger God. selves. Um, I might need to think about this for a second. For me, it would be... Just that you are so loved and worthy of like love. And I think that that would have saved me a lot of heartbreak, a lot of bad decisions, a lot of, you know, like constantly searching for things that made me feel better. Mm. I wouldn't have listened, but that's right. what I would tell the the young Alexis. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking about things that I would tell myself, but in my head, I'm going, I would not have listened to <laughs> any of this. I have to learn yeah. by experience. I Same. I think you may have asked me this on the first show that we did, or maybe it was another podcast, but I really, my primary purpose in life from the second I picked up my first drink was drugs and alcohol. And I remember, I remember my dad telling me like, there's so much more to life than this party. And like, I think he, I remember I got this like little Prada bag for Christmas. I was 18 or something. And he was like, there's more to life than Prada bags and Mai Tais. I'll never forget this. I didn't even drink Mai Tais. <laughs> but. And you're like, yeah, dad, whatever. You don't yeah, get I was me. Like, I know. Like, I thought I was like Paris Hilton, you know, like that's because <laughs> I had one. Prada now bag. bless Paris. We know yeah. all the struggles she went through. Yeah. But I mean, I really, uh, I just, I wish, I I don't regret anything, but I, there was so much heartache in following that path, you know? And if I would just tell my younger self, like there are so many other things out there, find something you're interested in, like find what you're passionate about and like fall, pursue it till like the ends of the earth, Mm. you know? Quick break from today's episode to talk to you guys about Thrive Market. Thrive is an online membership-based market on a mission to make healthy living easy and affordable for everyone. As you guys know, I've been a member for a long time. And what I love about Thrive Market is it creates ease in my life. We live in a very fast-paced world that is always go, 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 and it is nearly impossible to keep up. That's why I love the Thrive Market app. It's so easy. I literally type in paleo and all of my favorite snacks and foods show up right there in the app. You can enjoy guaranteed savings and member-only prices. Thrive Market members save an average of $32 on every order. Thrive Market is the best selection of high quality, healthy and sustainable products online. Buy thousands of wholesome foods, home and beauty products curated just for their members. You can find everything you need, organic and essential groceries, clean beauty, safe supplements and non-toxic home products, plus ethical meat, sustainable seafood, 
clean wine, and more. And their products are ethically sourced. Shopping with Thrive is healthy without the hassle. You can easily shop by the 70 plus diets and values like keto, paleo, gluten-free, vegan, non-GMO, fair trade certified, BPA-free, and more. Skip the store and the lines. Thrive Market is good for you and the planet. Orders over $49 are shipped for free and delivered with carbon neutral shipping from their zero waste warehouse. I love that. When you join, you give back through Thrive Gives, their one-for-one membership matching program. Every paid membership sponsors a free one for a low-income family. In addition to membership matching, Thrive Market has raised over $1 million to date through their COVID-19 relief fund. Go to thrivemarket.com slash reality. Join today and you'll get a free gift of your choosing up to $24 in value. That's Thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E, market.com slash reality and start your risk-free membership and get a free gift today. Thrivemarket.com slash reality. The next question is, what's the best piece of advice that you've ever been given? Ooh, I feel like I get so much good advice on the daily, both from my husband and from say, people husband in recovery. All the time. I know. Yeah. It's like hard to pick just one thing, but one thing that really stuck with me, and I think this might be not the golden rule or the secret, I don't know, but everything that I want in the world is everything that I should be putting out. Like everything that I want to get from other people or from a situation, that's what I should be putting out. If I want love, I need to give love. If I want, you know, whatever it is, abundance, I need to be like putting abundance out there. Like it's just whatever you put out there is what you get in return. I love that. So that's like my favorite. That's my go-to. Yeah, I love that. I would say, yeah, uh, I remember when I, and I've spoken about this before, I think, but I, I remember calling my sponsor in my early days of recovery and being in just so such a state of chaos over the smallest little things. And I would think that they were the biggest things. And I remember one time she just, she said, sit down where you're at and call me back in five minutes. And she hung up on me. And that moment changed my life forever because what she was teaching me to do is learning to sit in the discomfort of of life and really living life on life's terms and realizing that these things, they're not going to kill you. I thought that they were going to kill me. And granted, at that time, I had some big stuff. I was fighting two cases. I was in rehab. I was, you know, screwing up my life. And everything felt like this is it, you know. And um, I remember when that kind of clicked for me that like, no, your pain is a gift. And you have to learn to sit with your pain and let it guide and teach you. And you know, from that, all of my other um, lessons have kind of blossomed out of that because it was like when I was willing to stop ignoring the shadow, ignoring the pain. And I think right now it's interesting because I look at the world and how much suffering people are doing individually and as a collective. And I'm like, if we really had before all of this, we're being called to do this right now, but pre-COVID, pre all of the politics and all the stuff, if we'd really taken a look around and gone, oh my God, what's happening in our borders has been happening since the beginning of time. 
And what's happening to our planet has been going on for the last, last really hundred years. Mm -hmm. And what's happening with all of the children and the foster care system and all of the abuse, what's happening with all of the addiction and the mass shootings and the genocide and the carnage and the pain and the suffering, it has always been here. We've just been ignoring it. Mm -hmm. And oh my God, if we had done that, we would not be here right now dealing with what we're dealing with. And so now it's up to us individually to sit, to wake up and to sit and, and not to wake up to these crazy conspiracies. I can't do, <laughs> I can't, if someone sends me one more conspiracy, I just can't do it anymore. I just can't do it. But, it, and, and here's my whole thing about the conspiracies, which mainly have to do with children and abuse, mm-hmm. which people think I will then be really attracted to because I'm someone who was so badly abused. And well, here's the thing. Where were you guys when all of us have been fighting this fight for as long as we've been fighting? And it and it's not some monster over there. It is all of us. Right. The abuse that is happening in this nation and around the world has been happening for so long. You want to know where those million kids who get trafficked every year are going to? They are going to do slave labor to mind... Um, is it Mika out of the ground to make your next fucking iPhone that you're going to buy? Okay. To mine the diamonds that you're going to buy in your jewelry, the fucking crystals that you're holding on to for your fucking, you know, rose quartz. They are going to make the cheap fucking clothes that you're buying at Zara. Mm-hmm. And while a percentage of them absolutely go into sex trafficking, the number is very low. And they throw out these really inflammatory statements like 800,000 children in the U.S. every year go missing without saying that 99% of them return home. And while 1%, and I know I'm going on a tangent, of that is too many, 8,000 children remaining missing every single year is too many. Let's look at where are those 8,000 children coming from? They're coming, they're the LGBTQ youth who are fleeing their abusive parents. They're the, 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 the daughters and sons that are being raped and abused by their stepdads, by their soccer coaches, by their mom's boyfriends, by their older brothers and whoever else, their babysitters, whatever. They're the pregnant teen who wants to have an abortion, whose parents won't let her. Okay, they're the kid that's running away and fleeing violence in their household. And so if you really want to save children, then you would begin to fight for the things that I'm fighting for, which is universal health care, access to mental health treatment and addiction, substance, substance abuse treatment centers. You'd be fighting for maternity leave. You'd be fighting for a living wage for good education. You'd be fighting for all of the fucking things that I care about. Wow. I just really went down the rabbit hole, but not, I am so not passionate leaving about pizza this. pizza emojis on Chrissy no, Teigen's I'm Instagram I'm so fucking page. over it. <laughs> and listen, here's the thing. Are there pedophiles everywhere? Yes. Are they probably in our government? Absolutely. But the fucking solution isn't Donald Trump, who's had 13 allegations against him, who has children at our border right now who've been separated from their parents, who have claimed that ICE agents have fucking raped them. It's not him. And if we really care, yeah, let's out them all. Out all of these sick fucks that are in our government and everyone else and hold the highest offices in the fucking world accountable for every single little thing that they've ever 
done, period. I don't know how you can be making these arguments and support Donald Trump. It's absurd. It's absurd. And so now we're in the fight of our life and we've got a candidate that I don't even fucking like. (laughs) And we're going to vote for him anyways, because our children and this planet and humanity fucking depends on it. You guys better get with me. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. I get so heated because here's the thing. It's like, where were you? Yeah. Well, I don't know if I want to go down this road, but I, fe- <laughs> I felt like, I felt like the child trafficking outcry started as a deflection. Oh, of course. It was whataboutism. Well, and it, it was, was like, look over how, here. what it's do people not, care and, about? What yeah. do they think they care about? Children. Yeah, yeah. So they go after the whole child thing so everyone gets on board. Right. But they don't really care about kids. Y- you listening on this podcast, if you think you really care about kids, you don't. And I know that's a hard pill to swallow, but you don't fucking care about kids. Because if you did then you would care about the kids who live in fucking Compton while Mm -hmm. you're living in your fucking cushy house listening to this podcast on your iPhone 11, period. And I mean, I'm certainly not perfect. It's just, and I can admit that too. Did I really care about kids? I mean, I thought I did. Mm -hmm. But then I have to be willing to be okay with being taxed the way that I'm being taxed, holding politicians accountable, being against wars, Stopping the fucking school shootings, all of the stuff. It has to stop. Right. I mean, it's just ludicrous. Okay, let's move on to a better topic because I just don't, I, I don't, I don't even have the patience. What are your thoughts on ADHD meds Ooh. Um, in recovery? You know, and they want to specify that they're in recovery for opiate addiction. They were never addicted to meth. <laughs> That well, that was a little bit of <laughs> interesting phrasing. They had to add um, no. They just. I think it's interesting when people add. It's add that in. I mean, a that's defensive. a red flag yeah. for me, <laughs> right there. Um. Well, obviously, I'm not a doctor yet. Not yet. She's in school right Maybe now. Maybe in ten years. But um. <laughs> so I never want to like. I think they're. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know ADHD mm. enough. I know. I actually know people who have been on it in recovery and I am definitely a skeptic mm-hmm. because of, but I'm biased because of my own experience with, with like Adderall and, and Stratera and, yeah. and I abused it. Um, I don't understand chemically how it can not be similar to, to I, I just, I personally feel like you do what you have to do. I'm not against like SSRIs. I don't know how I feel, I guess, about ADHD meds. I'm kind of on the fence. Mm-hmm. I, again, with my bias, I feel like the way that at least I, I'll just speak for myself, the way that I recovered was getting rid of anything that made me feel different from how I would feel in my natural state, I guess. That's how I found a connection. That's how I I kind of access that like spirituality. And I just, again, my own experience with ADD meds was like just being on drugs. It was like doing math. I did math. It was the same fucking thing, (laughs) depending on how much I took. Same feeling. Um, So, but, but again, like I know people in recovery who have taken it and, and have long-term recovery and are, I don't know anyone who's done, done well with that personally. My thoughts are this, uh, what are my thoughts? 
first of all, it's none of my fucking business when anyone else is taking. <laughs> That's my first, first and foremost thought. My second thought is that our brains just aren't broken. Like I just, I find it really interesting. Like what an epic fucking failure psychiatry has been. <laughs> like if psychiatry worked, like 70% of Americans are on daily prescription meds. Okay. The vast majority of those are meds prescribed by psychiatrists. It's just not fucking working. Our brains are not broken. We don't all have like a depletion of serotonin, mm-hmm. dopamine, GABA. <laughs> you know what I mean? We don't all have like attention issues. I think that the way we operate as a society makes us think we do because people are so go, 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 go get to organize and do all this stuff. And like most of our brains just don't work that way. Mm-hmm. If your brain does work that way, like yours does actually, like you can sit and focus and do a class and do all that. I can't. Mm-hmm. That means that I'm not meant to do that, that I'm meant to stay in my creative and whatever. So I've been diagnosed with ADD Mm -hmm. my whole life. Right. And I think that I've just found things that work. There's a great book by Dr. Gabor Mate on ADHD. I I don't know the book right off the top of my head. And then I would also look into Johan Hari's book, um, lost connections. I think that those are two great places to start for you. And then as far as your personal situation, I don't have a fucking opinion. I just know that I think it's a slippery slope and I would always check. I, this is where I check. Am I trying? Because I've shared about having to take when I was suicidally, suicidally depressed in sobriety, benzos for short periods of time because I was going to kill myself otherwise. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's like, do you have a plan? Who's holding you accountable? And am I taking this to try to check out? Mm-hmm. If I'm trying to check out of my reality, it's a problem. Mm-hmm. I took benzos for that short period of time so I could be in reality. I was having 15 panic attacks a day and I was going to kill myself because the panic was just nonstop. I couldn't parent. I couldn't function. And then I had to do again when I was near the end of breastfeeding with my second daughter because I had the same thing happen. Okay. So it's just like, but when it comes to long-term use, I it just becomes so slippery so fast. I 1000% agree that it's very slippery. And the people that I know who have used it in sobriety, I know more people who have gone out because of it. I'll put it that way. The people yeah. that I know who have been successful, like I'm, I'm really only thinking about a couple people. But what you're saying, ultimately... That's, that's the most important thing. Why, mm-hmm. why am I, am, am I intention? taking this because yeah. I want to do better on my paper and I want to focus better? Well, that's not a legit reason. Or am I taking it because I want to change the way I feel? Yeah. That's not, that's not legit. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's not legit. And I would also just take a look. I mean, here I am with my whole like smash the fucking system <laughs> lingo. It's just like, yeah. A lot of us are not meant to do this. Like when we used to live in tribes, there was obviously the people who could really focus and whatever else. And then there were the medicine women who could hear the tiger, you know, two yards out to the left and knew when someone was ill and had a connection to this earth. And then there was the creatives that created baskets and probably figured out, you know what I mean? Who were geniuses, right? Like to create a basket takes creativity and genius. And I think that people who have ADD or are on the spectrum or whatever else, they're instead of you changing for the world, the world should be changing for us. 
And I think that the more that we get down these slippery roads of all of these meds, it just, we're changing for the world. And there are consequences Mm -hmm. to taking these meds for as long as we do. I can't tell you how many people, I'm going to do a whole podcast episode on this with a psychiatrist who actually knows what the fuck is going on, are stuck on fucking benzos and can never get off of them. That was what brought me to To your knees. knees. Oh my God. Yeah. Okay. We only have a few more minutes because you've got to go do something at five, at six. What time is it? 536. So let's just answer like two more and then we'll move on. You're an amazing, I would consider you a chef. You would consider yourself a cook, probably, right? Because you're not like classically trained, but like God, no, no. God, in my house, you would be considered a fucking chef. You make the most delicious recipes ever. You should definitely follow her if you're not right now. I mean, all this will be in the show notes, but oh my God, it's like drool worthy. And you take the most perfect pictures of all of your delicious food. What is your favorite recipe right now? And you can't say salmon. You know me so well. Let's see. I'm really, I really love this pumpkin, pumpkin, I can't speak, pumpkin vegan mac and cheese that I made the other day. I saw that. It's so easy and it's so delicious. I'm, I'm at that point where I'm like, bring on fall. I want to like snort pumpkin and like, (laughs) you know, do all the things. So I'm like, pumpkin, apple, fall. What's the other one? Um, carrot. I just made yeah, a really good carrot, carrot cake thing. Mm. So all of those flavors are really good. Oh, this other thing that I made, it's like a chicken, rice, and vegetable tahini bowl. Uh, you can put whatever you want in it. If you don't eat chicken, you can use whatever you tofu. want. Yes. Totally personalize it. But this tahini sauce, it's like three ingredients. So many people have made it and they're obsessed. It's husband approved, which is hard. Very Chuck difficult. Eats a very, Chuck would I eat walked a burger, into a kitchen, and fries. <laughs> burger and fries every day. I walked into her kitchen and she had a big box of raisin bran. And I was like, <laughs> I love me some raisin bran. I go, I know you're not eating this. It's Chuck. <laughs> it is Chuck. He has a very, very different palate than I have. So whenever I make something and he loves it, I'm like, okay, this is good. Yes. Okay. Favorite skincare products? Well, I've been doing skincare boot camp with my girl, Jen Hollander over at Dr. Tally's office. Mm. So I'm just doing whatever she tells me to do. That said, I do have to say that the most transformational thing that I've used has been (laughs) prescription retinol, which I like stayed away from for so many years. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I have somebody on my show this week who's a holistic skincare expert. And she's like, it's not like the least toxic thing. And I'm like, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> I'm at that age. Things are, you know, Changing. getting a little bit lax <laughs> and like, we need to tighten up here. Yeah. So it's, I'm still at that point where I'm still getting a little dry and red, but my skin overall pores are smaller, tighter, yeah. fine lines. You told me about this when we went to lunch and I've been using it every night, ever every since. Every night. Well, it's a low grade. Mine's not prescription strength. I don't get the fancy stuff. Mine's just like whatever from Sephora. So I will say if somebody wants to use something that has the same kind of effect, but without doing the prescription, maybe a less toxic, I don't know, like the whole profile of it or anything, but osmosis skincare, Hmm. they make a serum called Calm. I have sworn by it for years. 
and it has like a retinol in it, but it doesn't irritate your skin. Hmm. It makes you super glowy. It's amazing. So that would be my other. Y'all know I'm like a huge fan of OCM Albu. I, I use pretty much all of their products. I love their bath stuff. Their Andaria (sighs) body polish. Smell. It's so good. It's so good. I'm obsessed. Every I use their Vegas nerve oil on the back of my neck every night. It feels like I'm in a spa. Yeah. I love their blemish lotion. I also am obsessed with H is for Love's toner. You got to get the one that like I have problematic acne prone skin. The one that has collodial silver in it. So good. Silver is so good. There's another, ooh, another serum that I love. I think it's, I don't know how to pronounce it. R-E-V-E skin, like Rev skin. Mm. They make a silver serum. Insane. If you're breaking out or have any kind of irritation, it gets rid of it overnight. Love that. Yes. What are the best supplements in our food to eat, stay away from, to balance out hormones? I mean, neither of us are doctors, but I'd be happy to share my experience. I deal with, um, oh my God, now I'm in a blank on the supplement. It was just there in my head. The one that you told me about at lunch? Yeah, that I take for high testosterone. I Starts with an I. <laughs> Stars of an eye. It had a weird name though, right? Inos- not inositol. Oh my God. Maybe it is inositol. It's not iodine. I don't know. I inositol- All I know is this. Shout out to fucking Vanessa Fitzgerald, V's Honey. She t- she actually did this podcast in the beginning. Everyone was like, she's a total bitch. But like, I think she was just having a hard day. I'm going to have her back on the podcast because she's not a bitch. She's changed my life. And I think she's amazing. But who's that doctor that you were talking about in Beverly Hills? That's so good for... Dr. Dominique Freyden-Reed. She, you can't get an appointment with her unless you've already seen her. She went on Goop and now she's... Ugh, whatever. But she was, she was (laughs) around, she's been around forever. Yeah. She was like everyone's go-to before they found her and then they found her and now she's like all of the, you know... Brentwood Palisades women, but she has a, yeah. she has a nurse practitioner, Carly at her office. Oh, she we'll does the you. same thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't think either of us have really figured out the hormone thing. We both eat really clean diets and we both have fucking issues still. I will say that, I mean, in a way it's been a really good lesson for me because I think that so many of us see these other people on Instagram and we think that they're perfect and they're mm-hmm. perfectly healthy. And so this pursuit to achieve perfect health, I don't know that it's really attainable. Mm -hmm. Some people would probably disagree with me and say, yes, it is. But I think as women, especially like we are fluctuating all the time, things are changing. I had Elisa Vitti on my Mm -hmm. show. She talked about our uh, infradian rhythm and it's how much our bodies are changing throughout the month. Our brain changes throughout the month, throughout the week, our metabolism, all of this. So our needs are constantly going to change and we're so affected by things like obviously nutrition, stress is the biggest one. Sleep. And I was sleep. Yeah. Um, for me, the root of all of it is stress. And I don't mean like, oh, I'm stressed about my class or I'm stressed about work. It's old trauma. Same. <laughs> it's that fight or flight feeling that kicks in out of nowhere and stays with me for a week and hijacks my system and all my digestion and my hormones and everything go haywire. That's at the root of it for me. So supplements are great. 
good nutrition, great, all of that. But that for me is the core. That's what I have to really pay so much attention to before I can start adding things like D3 Synergy <laughs> and like, uh, you know, Vitex and Berry. And yeah. Chase Berry extract and inositol, if that is indeed what I'm taking. I have no idea. Um, <laughs> yeah, like, like, yeah, if people are struggling, there are simple things like being cognizant of your stress, whatever you can do, trying to meditate for a couple minutes. Everyone's life is different. I don't want to like, you know, tell people what to do, but that's huge take a look at your sleep. Yeah. That's huge. Water intake. That's hu- huge. You know, these, are you chewing your food? Mm-hmm. I think when somebody first told me like, maybe try chewing and maybe that'll help your digestion. And it was like, whoa, I take three, I take a bite, I chew three times and I swallow. Yeah. That and then was my me stomach eating that whole salad in your kitchen and I'm feeling it. <laughs> oh but God. like little simple things like yes. this, are you eating in front of the TV? Like it goes back to kind of what you were sort of talking about before, like we weren't meant to live like this. We need to like slow down and be more intentional with everything. And that makes a difference before supplements do. I think um, I'm at the, I'm at the point now where I truly believe that most all illness or signs of dis-ease in the body are correlated to trauma. Mm -hmm. And belief systems and, you know, and I, and I've been saying this for a long time. We we have to look at all of our, of our subconscious programming. We have to do the deep dive and do this work. And you'll see that our lives, that your life, my life, all of our lives get better. That doesn't mean that it's perfect. I think it's true. People see me and they go, there's no way she has a, a mental health day, mm-hmm. week, month, six months, whatever. She seems so balanced and normal. And it's like, no, you guys, <laughs> I'm 140 pounds right now. This is the biggest I've been when like not postpartum or pregnant in my life. I have been stress eating, not sleeping. My period is 36 days apart right now. And I have high testosterone and my whole system's out of whack. And I'm like, what is this? Oh, it's work that I've had to do. I just made it through a huge period of work and watch in three months, I'm going to be back to sleeping eight hours a night with ease. Mm -hmm. I'm going to have lost this 10 pounds and you know, and it's, and it's fluctuation. And in the meantime, we get to live in sweats and enjoy the fluctuating. Yeah. And that's not to say like, well, this is how it is. So like, just deal with it. You're a woman and you're going to fluctuate and you're going to go through these, but it's also like, I think I get the same thing. I get people that reach out to me every day and say, how did you heal your gut? How did you heal your My hormones? I'm like, did, I didn't, I wasn't aware that I did. <laughs> that would be nice. Yeah. Um, We're on the path. Yes. Yeah. And I think I've really gotten comfortable with being on the path mm. and, and growing from like learning from it and growing from it. You know, I, I don't know that if I could look back at the last few years which I've documented on my Instagram, the highs and lows and the really bad gut issues and the hormone, all of that. Um, Even with like getting sober, if someone could just hand it to me and I wouldn't have to do the work, I would never. Yeah. Never. No, because it's, it it allows you to gain that perspective. 
at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much. Why don't you tell everyone your podcast? Everyone probably already knows, but <laughs> all of your info and that way people can follow along if they want to listen. So my podcast is the Blonde Files podcast, also on Dear Media. And that Instagram is at the Blonde Files podcast. Mm-hmm. And my Instagram is at Ariel Laurie. And my website is theblondefiles.com. Came up with that name when I was trying to be anonymous four years ago <laughs> and it stuck. But I love everything that you're is like on there. So not anonymous. Like you just live in live in your life now. Yeah. I mean, that just shows transformation and growth. Like mm-hmm. I think I I wanna wrap with this thought because it's so true for both of us. These last couple of years, especially, I feel like from what it seems like, and maybe you resonate with this and maybe you don't, but I think it comes with age and sobriety. You feel so much more comfortable in your skin. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> and, and you just don't give a fuck anymore. And that was all I ever wanted. Mm. That was why I started drinking. It's, you know, then I accumulated a lot of other reasons why I was drinking and, and there were traumas and shame and all of that. But the initial thing was I just felt so uncomfortable and so that's been like the greatest gift because, because then I can go out and I can do anything, yeah. you know, and if you're listening to this and you're, you might get sober or you're newly sober or whatever, like you can do anything. Yeah. So many huge takeaways, you guys, you should definitely follow along with Ariel's journey and the Blonde Files is amazing. What I love about it is you have so many experts on, like you just have such an inquisitive mind and I think it's brilliant. So head on over there if you want to learn more about health and healing, diet, nutrition, all the latest tips and tricks and thoughts about what is going on with us and as individuals and a culture. And until next time. This week's affirmation is I am committed to being my best self. And so it is. If you enjoyed this week's episode, do me a favor, head over to the podcast app and make sure to subscribe to us, rate us and leave a review. We have new episodes every Monday and you can follow along with us on Instagram at Recovering From Reality or visit our website at recoveringfromreality.com. 